I think you already know this, but the Israelites really messed up, big time. They were living lives, as it turned out, that betrayed the covenant they had with God. The covenant was very simple with Abraham. I'll be your God, you be my people. And they had profoundly broken that covenant. They had begun practicing pagan rituals, turning their back to Yahweh. And, of course, God had warned them again and again. The prophets came asking them to return to God. But if you read Scripture, you begin to learn that their motives became increasingly self-centered. Finally, God issues this proclamation. I will withdraw my hand of protection from you. God didn't do to them. He just withdrew the protection. And all the forces around them came storming in. Turns out they would become captives of the brutal Babylonian Empire. They would be conquered, their temple, their cities destroyed. It was an awful time. But right before this happens comes a word of hope. I think most of you know this verse well. Jeremiah 29, 11. I know the plans that I have for you, says the Lord. They are plans for good and not for disaster, to give you a future and a hope. Of course, the disaster did come, but those were not God's plans. That's what they had chosen, the road they had decided to walk down. It's turned out the Babylonians did come. The temple, the cities looted and burned. People carried away, made slaves of Nebuchadnezzar's empire. I thought about those years of captivity for those people, a nation, years of despair and pain. How do you hang on? When things are falling apart, when things are terrible, how do you hang on? And, of course, that's why this verse from Jeremiah is so important. It is a promised hope, the vision of a hopeful future which stood before them. That verse is not just for the Israelites in that time. It's for all of us at any given time. And I don't know about you, but I feel like we've been assaulted by another hard, painful season My own way of describing what has been going on for quite some time is that we've been laid siege to by evil, by anger, division, fear, and violence. I like to think back. Where were we? Ten years ago, a decade ago. We could not have predicted the tumultuous ride of the last years. Now, there were warnings. But it seemed that as we came out of the Great Recession, you remember that? That seems like a lifetime ago, the Great Recession. It seems that the worst was behind us. But it wasn't. So one of the reasons that we chose to use the Lorax by Dr. Seuss is that it points to the responsibility that we have for our condition. You know... Human nature wants to lay blame somewhere else. Somebody else, something else. But often, how we are living is the cause of our own pain. Not always. I understand that. But sometimes, it is our fault. So in this book, the character called the Onceler, in the story of the Lorax, is the epitome of not considering the outcome and the consequence of our actions. Just do it. 
Don't worry about what's going to happen. Just do what you want to do. So this once beautiful world that is described in this book, the, the world that the once were discovered is laid bare by greed until there is virtually nothing left other than this barren, polluted world. To me, the onceler is this Susian Israelite who has turned his back on the God-given charge to be the steward of creation. The onceler doesn't see a gift from God. He sees dollar signs. So he exploits, pollutes, becomes part of what destroys it all. Sometimes it seems that we are headed that way. But still, still there is this word of hope, a future which God intends for us. So the question is, how do we get back on track? How do we move in sync with God's vision, that place where we are truly, as God intended, stewards of creation, living lives which reflect Jesus' command to love one another as he has loved us? Where do we begin? I don't know. There's been a lot of debate about that. Some people would suggest that we begin by putting out the political fires, that we heal the toxic debate over human sexuality and church division. Others say, nope, we need to find a way to end war, poverty, violence. And still some would say it could be that we need to start with tackling inflation, disease, the climate. You know how long the lists are? The list of needs, of concerns? Quickly they become lengthy, they become overwhelming, and you hardly know where to begin. There's just too much on our plate. But that's why, before we begin, we turn to the words of Jesus. You don't just randomly say, okay, let's go fix it. Well, if you have any sense at all, you look to the Creator. The one who created all of this and declared it good long before we got our hands in the pie. Here we find that wonderful perspective that I think all of us can understand, even a child. In Matthew 13, beginning in the 31st verse, Jesus says, The kingdom of heaven is like a mustard seed. A mustard seed that's planted in a field. You know, it's the smallest of all seeds. But it becomes the largest of all garden plants. It grows into a tree. And then the birds come. They make nests in its branches. So how do we heal our world? And like that mustard seed, allow it to grow into something good and hopeful. We start small. That's the only way I can do it. When it's time to clean out my garage... It's overwhelming. Maybe your garage is better, but mine's not. So I start small. I set that out. And then I go get something else and something else. It takes a while, but I have to start small, one piece at a time. But here's the important thing. We do need to start. Sometimes we're paralyzed by all that's going on around us. It's just too much. And so we wring our hands and we fret and we comment. 
doing absolutely nothing. But the impetus and the importance of this scripture is that Jesus is saying, you got to plant. you got to let it grow. It doesn't have to be everything all at once. Let me just illustrate with some things that you might relate to. As a child, I learned not to litter. Some of you remember all those TV and radio ads. Don't be a litter bug. My family, my teachers taught me the same. They said, if you're going to throw trash out, put it in the trash can. Very simple, small. So I started in a small way, one piece of trash at a time tossed in the garbage. But it stuck. And I can easily say that in my lifetime, I've resisted the tendency to throw several tons of trash, piece at a time, out the window. I'm more likely to pick it up and put it in the trash, even if it's not mine. And I would never, ever just toss it out. That's small, perhaps, one person in a world with billions. In 1992, the church I was serving decided to take one Sunday a year. We are going to focus on ways we could conserve the earth's vital resources. We believe that the earth was a gift from God. We took seriously that God had given us stewardship over the earth. So how do we do that, we asked ourselves. Simple question, perhaps small. For instance, we learned that by simply turning off the water while you're brushing your teeth, seems like a small thing, doesn't it? Turning off the water while brushing your teeth can save up to three to four gallons of water per person per day. That's more than a 1,000 gallons of water per year. And I've been trying to do that faithfully for the last 30 years. I know it's a small step, but I did the math, and that means I've helped save at least 30,000 gallons of water over those years. That's big. Three or four at a time, it adds up. But what I like about it is my wife has done the same, so I did the math. Then I thought, if I can do it for brushing my teeth, I can do it while I'm shaving. That adds up. Pretty soon we have hundreds of thousands of gallons of water being saved that would have just run down the drain and been wasted. I know those are small examples. But they add up to something much bigger, especially when one, then two, then four, then twelve, then a hundred, then a hundred thousand, a million people start doing that. And I share those examples because Jesus tells us that working in God's kingdom is like that. It seems small, but it can grow into something huge. He talks about being compassionate. In other words, Jesus would say each small act of compassion, each small attention to our role as the earth stewards, each small act of kindness, it adds up and it can change the world. See, when God placed us as stewards over creation, you and I were given a responsibility to use what God gave us wisely, to view that hopeful future, that promise from God, as a reality. And God invites us to be part 
of that drama as it unfolds, of that reality. We're not just observers. We get to be part of it. God invites us to come alongside and to create something wonderful and beautiful. But it begins by planting something small that can grow into something magnificent. And each of us, taking the role of steward of this earth to heart, can make a difference. Those differences add up, growing into something much bigger than we can imagine, something good and wonderful. Never underestimate your part in this. You may have a sense that one person cannot make a difference. But in God's world, that is not true. Let me illustrate. And Karen, I love that you're here today as a Navy veteran because that's the one I was thinking about. I just finished reading a book about the Battle of Midway and about those aircraft carriers from Japan and the United States and that incredible battle. But I learned a lot about aircraft carriers along the way. Did you know that the largest full-load displacements of any ships in the world are some of the aircraft carriers like the USS Nimitz and the Dwight D. Eisenhower? Those ships have a displacement. They weigh about 91,000 tons apiece. That's beyond my imagination. They're over a 1,000 feet long. I was trying to figure out how many sanctuaries that might be, and I kind of lost count at some point. They're fast. They can travel over 30 knots an hour. Power by engines that can generate, listen to this, 280,000 horsepower. Man, that's a machine. Each of those magnificent ships carries a crew of over 6,100 personnel. But as big as those ships are, and they are huge, they're both turned by one person steering a rudder. That rudder is one one-thousandth the size of the ship. I mean, it's tiny in comparison, but that rudder can change the direction of those great ships. Folks, that's the way God calls us to be. One person can make a difference. You can steer this world in a different direction. That's why Jesus starts small. A mustard seed. But you got to plant it. you got to let it grow. In Seuss's story of the Lorax, the once beautiful land is destroyed. It's laid bare. It's laid desolate. But the Wantzler has a change of heart. He starts small, begins planting new trees. You know, the trees that he cut down to get rich. It's a small start, but you can see the change. You can see it begin to unfold of hope and beauty returning. I don't know about you, but I've watched these last years with some trepidation, a lot of pain. But I know the potential because of God's hopeful future. So let me show you this last clip from the movie. And you can see the potential.
Hmm. You done good, Bean Paul. You done good. One day we'll stand before the Lord. What will be said? You done good. That would be what each of us would want to hear. You've been a good and faithful steward, servant, follower, disciple. You never lost hope. You knew the future that I had for you. We all have a choice. We don't have to do it all, but we have a part. So start, even if it's small, plant that seed of change and let it grow. Enjoying the creation and watching the beauty of God's world, God's perspective, grow and live in each of us. Go and serve faithfully as his disciples. Let's pray. Help us, Lord, to understand, to perceive, to know that we don't do this alone. We have the best partner, the Lord of the universe, the hope of the world. Let us live, Lord, according to your design, that we and the generations to follow may see the benefit of your creation, its beauty and its grace, and where we live and what we say and how we act. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. I mentioned to you that I've just returned from a trip to Europe. It began with one step. In the morning we left, it was just start there. There was beauty waiting, we knew that. There would be challenges along the way, not everything would be easy. But living in each moment, letting this journey grow in our hearts and minds was most important. And what we saw was magnificent as we traveled through five countries. Got to see things that we've only seen in pictures to meet people that are perhaps different, but so much like us. One small step at a time, one day at a time. And so now, as we finish this journey, we have wonderful memories, experiences, feelings. And even more importantly, is being a part of God's world as a steward, as one who reflects the love and grace of God. One small thing at a time. You know, it has a tendency to become huge. Let's do it well together as we go in grace and grow in love. Amen.